Welcome to How to Japan. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on the.、Uh, should I talk about butter imports for a moment? Yeah, go on. Okay, so、uh, I, I've always fancied my, I, I fancy myself always, not always, but I fancy myself a, a grass fed butter type of guy. But butter's been just too expensive for me to purchase it. But now our local import store is selling West Gold for 250 grams at 500 yen. So now I can fulfill my grass fed butter lifestyle. That's all I have、nice. to say. Yeah. Yeah. So,、um, yeah, we've discussed this、uh, on the food cuisine podcast. I think、mm-hmm. I did. I brought it up about one of my、yep. uh, issues bugbears living in Japan. It's、mm-hmm. not having access to good quality butter.、Mm-hmm. But it sounds like things are changing、mm. for the better. Yep. I think so. It's kind of nice. Next step is、uh, grass fed meat, grass fed steak.、Yeah. I mean, of course, there's Wagyu, but it's so expensive. It's not something you could eat on a regular basis as part of your weekly diet because it's just too expensive. Yeah, yeah. So I stay out of that. I think we were doing like once a month, we'd get a, st- we'd get a couple steaks, but I haven't eaten a steak in maybe three months or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's enough about my dietary choices. Let's get into the topic of today. What are your、uh, experiences in Japan? I, I said casual racism because、uh, mm. I've lived in Japan where, and I've received. Certain comments, or I've had certain interactions which made me feel like、uh, they were barbs, racist, like there's an、mm-hmm. undertone of, of racist,、uh, like something like comments tinged with a racist、uh, undertone.、Um, but but、mm-hmm. in your case, do you have any kind of instances、mm-hmm. like this? Yeah, I think I have numerous ones, and sometimes they're. Not just tinged, they seem rather overt. Oh, really? Are、uh, <laughs> okay. overt.、Um, I was at a waiting for a Japanese friend outside of a izakaya a long, long time ago. I was just standing in the parking lot, and this Japanese guy comes up to me and says, Hey, don't wait here. You're scaring the customers. Wow. He was a customer. <laughs> it's like、right. I guess I'm not scaring you. You're the protect protector of the entire town here. So these things don't really happen that often. But and、uh, and if I, just for just for listeners to know what、uh, Jerry actually looks like, but、uh, mm-hmm. he's the most、uh, unthreatening, unassuming <laughs> individual you could ever come across. Yes, he, he's like he's he's the person who you would meet in a in a dark alley and and you would feel completely safe. <laughs> like, you have no no problem no problems at all meeting meeting someone like like you. Yeah, just just for、right. listeners to know. So for that guy to say that you are scaring the customers, 
is uh it sounds pretty rich <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous uh another overt example of racism was uh, my wife and I when we were first looking in a part looking for an apartment together walking down the street near a station and I looked in the window of a real estate agency and office staff of the real estate agency was standing outside. There was this older lady, maybe in her late 50s. And she took one look at me and said, no foreigners. <laughs> That's pretty overt. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I haven't had that experience since. You know, these are like one-off overt racist statements to me. Uh, mm. another one that was overt, but I, sometimes I appreciate the overtness because then it, it lets me know that I shouldn't go there, you know, because there are other places I can go where there aren't overtly racist tones. Um, I, I made a call to, a a Minshuku, which is like a, a Japanese inn up in Tohoku is the Northern part of Japan for a, a cycling trip I was going to have call up the place and I'm talking in Japanese I'm saying I want to reserve a room she says how many people I said I'm just by myself and she said I'm sorry if you're not with your wife you're not allowed to stay here I said thank you very much and I hung up the phone so and Mm. I found another place to stay you know it's not that big a deal but these are like these it's not I guess what I'm trying, I guess there's a difference between like one off racism and systemic racism. It's not systemic, it's just these random encounters of people that, for one reason or the other, have some level of prejudice which causes them to say things which are not necessarily all that nice. But at some certain points, I feel like it's it's kind of good. But I've also had an employer that was pretty pretty racist overtly. Well, wait, wait. Why is it kind of good? Well, because it, it, it can help you direct you to where you should be going. If someone doesn't want you to stay at their establishment, then you shouldn't want to pay money to them. Right. Like I, yeah. I'd rather have them be very open about the fact that they don't want me to stay there than them quietly be racist and then take my money. Mm, right. That makes uh, sense. I don't, I don't want to pay money to someone who actually doesn't really like me because the overall experience will probably be crappy. So just to be upfront about it is much easier to deal with. Of course, in an ideal world, racism wouldn't exist, but... We don't live in such a place. And like I said before, we have so many opportunities and other places to go. So why waste your time with people who don't want you to be there? So it's better that they just say it up front and then we can get it over with and move on. What about you? I've been droning Mm -hmm. on a little bit. Well, what are some of your uh, maybe more indirect or overt experiences uh i have to say i don't think i've ever been on the receiving end of overt direct like a direct 
announcement of of someone uh, and you know being uh, threatened by me because I'm mm-hmm. a foreigner or right. or, or, or a real racial attacks. I've never I've never been subject to that like you have. It's actually mm-hmm. surprising. I never heard about those stories. Yeah, from you. Yeah, it's just the the small random experiences that you know over the course of twenty years. So slowly, but I, I think of them as like a pile of dust in the corner of a room. If you don't look at it, you don't really notice it. But then on spring cleaning day, you move the move the bookhouse bookcase out of the way and you go, look, wow, look at all that dust. Better clean that up. So it, mm. it, it doesn't really directly affect my life, but it, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I, I think um, the closest I've gotten to it was through a friend. I was with a friend and his Japanese girlfriend, mm-hmm. and we're walking uh, in Kumagaya down the street in Kumagaya. Kumagaya mm-hmm. is in Saitama, and mm-hmm. three of us were walking down the street, and then this old Japanese guy starts shouting in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was still relatively green, very fresh and new to japan i couldn't really speak the language very well i couldn't understand what he was saying Mm -hmm. and uh my friend could understand crystal clear along with his girlfriend and he's and i said what is he saying and he said no just keep walking just keep walking Uh and along with his girlfriend and then later he told me he said well he was shouting um you 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 know you foreigners taking our women uh like and and shouting at her, saying like you you know what are you doing with this with this foreigner and you know you, you're too good. What do you mean you is he, you know you're too good for us? What mm-hmm. what's happening to the purity of Japan? Just shit like that. And right. so that was the as closest as I got to it. Mm-hmm. But everything else though has just been subtle, nuanced, uh, very um, like veiled. In uh-huh. politeness uh-huh. and yeah, civility, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just through uh-huh. just through being Jap, you know, in Japan, in Japan, people are right. polite, right? And that's that's why I love about Japan. Yeah, but also, but what I hate about Japan is that through that politeness, they can just throw a few uh, comments at you, like backhanded compliments, or, or even behind your back, uh, say things about you. Which uh, can come across as very, yeah, quite quite racist and discriminatory and xenophobic. But in terms of like real examples, the the ones I can point to are, are through interaction. Like, uh, uh, like there's there's like one interaction I had upon coming to Japan, and that was just um, having having someone like a Japanese person tell me that in Japan we do things this way. Mm-hmm. You won't understand. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're not. You're not Japanese, so don't bother trying yeah. to wrestle with this idea because we're Japanese mm-hmm. and you're a foreigner. So don't right. don't labor your 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 pit- pitiful mind on the subject mm-hmm. of certain ways of doing things here. And this has come across. Uh, this has come uh, come about through many different interactions, but it always comes mm-hmm. down to the same core point: is that I'll never understand. So right. don't bother. Right. Is that the same with you? Have you had these interactions uh, too? I think so. Well, I, I think it, it comes off as um, condescension Yeah. in the workplace, right? So, 
you'll have I'm not even talking about the workplace I'm just talking yeah. about like meeting people in, in bars in or just yeah. like some subject comes up and they're saying oh no we don't you don't have to worry because you're a foreigner but as a Japanese person you know there's a certain integrity and honor that mm. we have <laughs> yeah. it's like what the fuck you're saying I'm dishonorable yeah, right 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 <laughs> I think it there's like a, a, a kind of we'll we'll handle we'll handle this part because you're not going to be able to do this Right. Mm. So I, I think that happens, you know, these types of experiences, you know, we talk about living in Japan. I don't think they're unique to Japan. Mm. I think they're just the experiences that you have sometimes when you are a foreigner in another country. And, you know, I talking about work, you know, I had a boss a long time ago and he saw oh, you, you work full time. He was a very strange guy. I told you about. I told about. I've told you about him before, and you know, I would ask him. You know, since I'm full time, can I get? Can you sign me up for health insurance? You know, can I get the company health insurance? And he'd always go, "Oh, what? Well, you are a foreigner," and I'd say, "Yeah." Mm. He's like, "Well, most foreigners don't want health insurance. I, why you want?" health insurance or mm. what about company pension oh, well most foreigners stay very short time so why would you want to have a pension so just generalizing mm. and not taking my question as a legitimate one because i am the group of foreigners and foreigners act like this this and this and want this this and this and if they don't if i don't match those things then it's surprising and it, you're not going to get it because you're foreign. So basically outright right. stating that you don't, you don't deserve things or you don't, you shouldn't want to have these things because you are foreign. Mm. You told me this numerous times. And I, you know, it was always kind of a bizarre interaction. Uh, but at the same time, I, in a way I appreciated the, overtness of his statements because I knew exactly where I stood with him um, and again I guess that goes back to the point of you know when I called up the Minshuku and I was told that if if I don't come with my wife I'm not allowed to stay there it's like I, I'd rather have people be direct Minshuku? with me Did you Minshuku yeah yeah, yeah. Uh talked about it Japanese style in, yeah. Oh right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a lower low budget Japanese style in is a Minshuku. Like a, I know Ryokan. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I feel like I've gotten those and then also when I applied for a loan for a house a long, long time ago, um my the city office they never sent documents to my house for pension and health insurance for national health insurance and national pension. And that we discovered uh, through the salesperson, because they called the office for me and they, mm. the office said that, well, m most foreigners leave in two years. So we didn't want to bother him with this documentation. And I would call that a casual passive type of, racism because there's no ill intention but the consequences were quite dire because it meant that i wasn't going to get a loan 
because right. one of the requirements of, of a housing loan is that you have these kind of parameters set in your life, uh, a, a pension and health insurance, you know, in case something goes wrong. Mm. If you don't have those things clearly delineated, I think it was pension at that point. I think I had health insurance by that point, national health insurance, but it was the pension that was, um, you know, up up for grabs there. So I've had that kind of casual, passive, soft expectation racism and the overt style racism. Hmm. So, um, do you, but do you think it also feeds into how Japanese have been? Um, I don't know what angle I should take here. There's quite a, mm-hmm. there's a few different ways of skinning this cat, but yeah, let, let, let us talk about the uh, isolation, like isolationism. Japan mm-hmm. was isolated for many hundreds of years, right, and. It's only been in recent history that they've opened up and allowed the the world to come flooding in. In in, in a mm-hmm. sense, I mean, it's still there's still only one percent of the population mm-hmm. who are foreigners, right. and many of them right, are Chinese, right. Koreans, and other Asians. But yeah. uh, but it's still a very small number of foreigners. So we so you and I, well, you particularly, anybody mm-hmm. who who is tall, who is very Caucasian. Stands mm-hmm. out like a sore thumb, right? And there's few, there's few people who fit your description, so it's mm. easy to categorize. And Japanese, are, they love categorizing, pigeonholing people. Mm-hmm. If you're like blood type A, oh wow, you're blood type A. That means you're serious. That means that you're very, you mm-hmm. know, you're hard nosed and you don't laugh a lot. Like there's all, always so many different um, boxes that you that they want to put you in, um, right? And it's easy, cognitively, Mm. it's easier on you to be able to Mm -hmm. categorize people this way. So I I guess my question to you is, is that, uh, does that somehow placate the not overt racism? That's just fucking ridiculous. But I mean, just the subtle racism under, under Mm. a polite veneer, like, like subtly veiled racism or discrimination or, or Mm. uh, xenophobia. Is that does that placate you in some way? Is that more acceptable to you, knowing Japan's history, and and what well, I just said about yeah, how, I mean, how they it, you can look at the historical context of the reality, and I can fall back on my own experiences where I grew up in a, a predominantly white community of people, and I think that there are when you are in a monoculture. And we often think of as Amer- America as being like multicultural, but people are often separated in by by ethnicity in America, not always by uh, self intention, but it's just where you were born. And so, where where I grew up, it was most probably ninety nine percent white, and so there were uh, certain uh, cloistered beliefs. Uh, because of the lack of exposure to other ethnicities, black people, Asians, or whatever. And so uh, people would pick up these uh, feelings about different races and things like that. And it wasn't all, it's not to disparage anyone because people obviously feel like 
they want to be open-minded towards many different types of people and want to think that they are, uh, for lack of a better word, progressive, which I don't really like that term. But they they feel like, they no, wait, wait, I'm a good person. I'm open-minded. I know how to interact with people. But when it comes to understanding what other people are like, other than their own ethnicity, they start to, you, you create a stereotype and there's nothing you can really do about that except challenge your stereotypes when you meet other people so when i when i live in a a monoculture now in japan i sometimes i'm reminded of the my own monoculture when i grew up as a child and so there are you know i think similarities and differences and i think the one big difference is that people are so uh, oftentimes so interested in you because you're different you know there's su- mm. such a fascination with you because you're different in a very positive manner uh, mm. that doesn't mm. that doesn't speak of racism but because it's spurred on by a stereotype can start to feel like negative prejudice so yeah, you're like yeah. this and you're like that and you're like this. So the whole idea that, you know, for hundreds of years that the Japanese uh, people have been cordoned off from the rest of the world. And then it's only been the past 150 years that people have really been uh, open, you know, open borders. And probably only the last 25 years where there's been a, a greater influx of foreigners coming into Japan and living here for longer periods of time than two or five years then you you start to see and then compound that with the fact that most of the foreigners who live here a long term are in the kanto tokyo region then you start to see well you can't really say that the people in countryside areas really have a negative stereotype it's more like they're more naive than overtly racist Mm, mm, mm. and but then that's even still unfair because of the nature of modern society where there's you know internet and social media and people being able to get direct flights to different parts of japan and People who live in small towns may have enough money to travel. And so there's such a multiplicitous uh, community of people moving in and out of different places that even someone who is 75 who never left their town may have come into contact or have friends and family who have lived overseas. You know, so it's it's really it's a hard thing to really parse. I don't know mm. if uh, if that's babbling or if that makes any sense. Uh, no, yeah, it does. Uh, I think yeah, there are um, societal norms which mm-hmm. can feed into this apparent discrimination, and I don't think mm-hmm. there's any in- inherent negativity or ill intention towards those uh, you know people who feel like they're slighted. Uh, I don't. Mm. I think the majority of the time, it's not coming from a bad place. Mm. I think it just stems from ignorance, uh, not a reflection of any real racism. Um, mm. I think 
Japan is homogenous. It's yeah, right. mono monocultural. It's uh, I think uh, uh, it plays into human like evolutionary uh, psychology. The way you know mm-hmm. we're all very tribal, mm-hmm. and it's easier. It's it's just so much easier to live your life with uh, certain stereotypes and patterns mm-hmm. of behavior. It's uh, it's cognitively freeing to to just have certain you know, to have certain groups. And and like I was saying before, there's only uh, like the the immigration policy in Japan is I think some of the one of the strictest policies in the world mm. um, letting in certain types of foreigners they're very careful about who they let in uh, I don't know about you but when I applied for a working holiday visa when I was living in New Zealand you had to I had to write like this long uh, essay explaining mm-hmm. why why I wanted to come to Japan what I wanted to, to achieve I doubt they read it. They just wanted to see, like, okay, this this guy's committed uh, mm-hmm. to coming and and working in, in our in our country. Um, so I, I I think many many foreigners make the mistake when they come here of of feeling like they are actively or, or they are fighting an uphill battle where they will never be Japanese. And to some extent, that is true. I've met many people who have gotten their permanent residencies or have uh, relinquished their citizenships from America, for example, and they've become fully Japanese, yet they still can't vote. Can't Mm -hmm. vote in the election, and surely voting means you have a say in how the country is run. And I don't know of anyone who has come over here, no matter their, uh, no, what status, or what privilege, or what what kind of... um, prestige you may think you have you will have no fucking say in how this country is run mm-hmm. and you've just got to accept it so um, i mean that uh, i didn't know that so if you become a japanese citizen you can't vote that's what a friend told me uh who got relinquished his citizenship that's wild so that's systemic racism right there um yeah well uh and that's that's something which you you have to come to grips with and i mean here's uh here's something which you can take uh you know one of two ways i'm willing to take this in a and this is going to sound very controversial uh but i think there's a reason why Japan is as safe as it is. One of the reasons is, yes, uh, there are no guns. You can't, you can't walk around with a gun. And I think guns can contribute to a lot of unnecessary violence if you're a gun-toting culture like America. Uh, because police are going to treat mm-hmm. you very differently if there's a chance that you're carrying a gun and can blow my head off. Um, but if in countries where you don't have guns, I, I think there's less chance of, uh, uh, of violence and crime. But also... It's not just that, because Japan is already one of the safest countries in the world. And Mm -hmm. the way I look at it is because it is homogenous. 
that is monocultural. Mm. And this still sound really fucking racist. I mean, I look, I sound like a racist saying that. In fact, this is the mm-hmm. talking point of uh, white supremacists in America. <laughs> Nazis, neo-Nazis uh-huh. neo yeah. in America, they always point to Japan. They always, Japan comes up, they'll look how well Japan is doing, look how safe Japan is. You know why? It's because they are, they understand how uh, upsetting it is to have people uh, from different ethnicities, different cultures to come into your country and overtake your country. Um, I don't know what, uh, what I'm trying to say is, is that the mm. reason why I think it's safe is because everybody follows uh, follows norms, follows a cultural cultural way of, of, of living your life. Any crowded place on a you know a, a subway or a train to get to and from work, the last thing you're thinking about is somebody pickpocketing you, or dro- or leaving your your bag or your valuables on the train. There's a high chance you probably you you will get it back. And I don't know of any other developed country on earth which can can lay claim to that statement. Mm. Right. So in a roundabout way, I may be endorsing <laughs> some some of the practices mm. in Japan, no matter how racist they are. I think uh, it, it's mm-hmm. to the benefit of uh, a low crime rate. So uh, mm. I just dropped a dropped a hot potato in your lap there. I, I see what you were saying before about maybe that's something that a nationalist might say. You know, it's like because of the monoculture, because it's one race that it keeps the crime rates down and so we can't let too many foreigners in and i mean there is something i guess something to be said for that yeah i don't i don't know i mean it it it's because we don't know what would happen if there were lots of foreigners who came to japan I, I had a conversation don't you, don't with somebody. Don't you think that if, if yeah. it, there was a flood of foreigners br- uh, importing oh. a variety of different uh, religions, uh, ways of life, um, mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, different value, a value, different value systems? You mm-hmm. don't think that if there are a flood of of like an eclectic mix of foreigners into Japan, you don't think the country mm-hmm. would would change in a negative way? You know, people I would, don't know because they wouldn't. Mm. I'm sure many will just wouldn't respect. Like, if you're coming from an individualist culture, mm. or or one that is um, Islam dominant. Oh fuck, I'm getting into really dangerous territory, aren't I? <laughs> mm. Mm. But I mean, if you, you know, if you're used to women wearing bags over their heads, and you come in Japan, mm-hmm. and you start trying to like force your wife in Japan to, you know, your Japanese wife to wear a bag over her head in Japan. You know, you just. I could just imagine it breaking down in a matter of 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 weeks or you know it, it would society would collapse people would not respect mm-hmm. japanese like, uh, like cultural norms it it really would be mm-hmm. a uh, like destruction at least in my mind there's no mm-hmm. way to really know but that, that's the way i'm mm-hmm. looking at it i think there's there is a lot of credence to the the fact that Japan is Japan because of the fact that there are these um, deeply entrenched cultural norms, so societal norms, which allow a densely populated city like Tokyo to be one of the safest in the world. Mm. 
That's my oh, um, that's my claim. I I don't know. I I'm just thinking about America and uh, the concept of the melting pot and the possibility that the concept of the melting pot is not unique to America. The concept that you, when you come to another country or you come to America, you bring your own heritage, but then over a generation or two, you become part of the mainstream, become part of mainstream America. And so you take on all the qualities that makes America what it is. Mm. And I wonder if it's if if laws were in place which uh, promoted immigration, would a similar thing take hold in Japan? Would after one or two generations, the children take on more Japanese uh, mindset? which would then uh, promote the Japanese way of life. And I think about uh, children who are born from mixed couples and kids that I have taught in school over the 10 or 15 years. And what I find is that for the most part, those kids who grew up in Japan, whose mom was Japanese and their mo- their parent, other parent was some other nationality, they tend to take on most of the characteristics of the the Japanese cultural norm. And when I think about American children who are born to immigrant parents, there's definitely a distance between the parent and the child, the sense of taking on mainstream ideas of American ways, having their own down to their own, you know, accent, uh, their way of looking at life is quite different from their parents. And so I I wonder, you know, if Islam, for example, if Islam became a rather large religion in Japan, how Islam would change in, in light of what Japanese culture is. Now, I think religions... Uh, don't stay 100% one way. That hasn't really, you know, when you think about Buddhism coming from southern India up through China, all kinds of things went, you know, willy-nilly and then then became what it is in Japan. We think about Christianity, how it developed and came and arose all kinds of different denominations Islam has even two or three sprouts of different directions. So I, I wonder what would happen. There, there might be an amalgamation where it was Japanese culture would change, but so, social norms or the demeanor of the country wouldn't transform into something foreign. And perhaps the social modicum, the safe sense of safety would be the overarching uh the overarching uh the overarching morality that would kind of keep everyone in check i i don't know hmm. i wanted to really de- mm-hmm. delve deeper into whether i am 
really suffering as a result, but I don't think I am. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I am uh in any way shape or form uh mm. you know having a bad a rough time of living in Japan right. due to these mm-hmm. casual remarks or, or stereotypes mm. or being labeled as just yeah, a foreigner think, you, you and fitting know, a stereotype, you know? And I, and and I and I, no, and I don't I don't, I don't see how I mean if cha- if you change if if you allow more foreigners into the country, and and this is what's controversial about mm-hmm. what I'm saying, I I am saying that too many foreigners, like an influx of foreigners with a variety, like from individualist uh, cultures, where you know you're all for yourself, like America, and you come into a collectivist mm-hmm. culture like like Japan. So that's one that's one mm-hmm. one idea I'm worried about and then another idea is you've got religion on top of that and then on top of that you've mm-hmm. got like different value systems and then you've got you know a variety of other uh, foreigners bringing in different value systems or different ways of living which I I worry could upset the balance of of me living in Japan so of course I want no I, no I don't, I don't want any xenophobia, no discrimination, no racism. Of course that would be paradise, but we're not living on we're living in a uh, on Earth with so you know, so many different countries and different cultures. We're still at war with one another. Well, so many countries are at war over not um, with so many disagreements about ways of 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 living and different political systems too. So I don't, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is, in Japan, this racism, overt or subtle racism, does it have real any meaningful impact on my on my life right now? Is it stopping me from getting that job that I want? Because, but I don't speak Japanese, so there, I've already <laughs> removed myself from all applicants applications for a certain job for not speaking uh, Japanese well enough. But even if I did speak Japanese fluently, uh, there would maybe still be some roadblocks. But I, I think not as many as uh, one would think if you if you you know if you actually put in the effort. I, I know many people in finance and uh, many uh, uh, foreigners. I mean, in finance or mm. in um, uh, manufacturing and an IT who are making a shitload of money uh, mm-hmm. and l- living in Japan, making, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a great standard of living here. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to reconcile that. The stereotypes, the mm-hmm. racism or discrimination, along with having a great life in Japan. Well, I think that, you know, if you don't feel like you're on the negative end of stereotypes or racism, then you're probably not. And the other, the separate issue is whether or not an inc- an influx of uh, immigrants from different countries, as you say, individualistic societies, would uh, disturb the balance to the point where Japan would never no longer be a safe country where you'd want to live. And it's possible that it would go in that direction, but I think it's just as possible that Japan would adapt and perhaps maybe become an even better country. Um, it might lead to newfound creativity or you know artistic expression. It could create um, 
new ways of communication, mm-hmm. uh, a, a new new means of communication that Japanese hadn't thought uh, thought about before, and maybe because of you know the Japanese mindset, it would not lead towards uh, corruption or danger. It would lead to a new heightened way of peacefully interacting with people from all around the world. I don't know. That's you have just a Pollyannish view of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that that's just another another way of looking at things. But um, th- there's another thing that I want to kind of think about, and I know if you want to continue this conversation, we can. But there, there's something that's uh, I've been in the back of my mind, and it's the kind of daily interactions you might have at a store. If you're with a Japanese person, you'll have this a lot. And I think that um, it's not something that's unique to Japan, but it's something I, I experience quite often. And I used to think was prejudiced or racist, but I no longer think that. And it's when you go into a shop and you ask a question in Japanese to the shop owner and they don't look at you. They look at the Japanese person standing next to you and answer to them. Right. So I always found that to be incredibly annoying. And I always felt that it was some sort of, you know, the person was in disbelief that I was speaking Japanese. And so they just went to the closest Japanese to to talk next to me to talk to give the answers. And then I, I thought about something uh, the something co- you know the the nature of Japanese society is a very in-group out-group dynamic in-group out-group what I mean by that is if you take for example a company and you take uh, you look at the company president a manager and a normal employee there's a hierarchy there and when the manager within the company speaks to the president, he'll use honorifics. And when the employee speaks to the manager, he'll use honorifics. When the president or someone lower to you in in rank talks to you, they will not use the honorifics because they're in the higher position. However, when these three people, president, manager, and normal employee, is meeting with a company president manager employee of another company then that employee that regular employee will no longer use honorific honorifics honorifics in reference to his president because now there's an out group and honorifics will be used towards that out group right so then the in group becomes all same and then the yeah. out group is somewhere else. And so this type of social dynamic, I, I don't think it's it's not unique to Japanese culture, but it's very, very heightened. And so when I think about my own experiences with staff people, I suddenly think about this in-group, out-group relationship where this person, I'm asking this person a question and then they look at the closest person who's Japanese to me. So they're working on this subconscious level of in-group, out-group dynamics, not a race-based prejudicial 
dynamic. They're looking mm. for the person who's closest to them, closest to their in-group to cavort with. And so since I'm a foreigner, I'm the automatically the out-group, not necessarily being uh, discriminated against. And I think these types of little nitpicky experiences can build up in you when you, when you live in Japan and make you feel like uh, an incredible outsider. And the, the whole issue I think what we have to bring up is that you have to, in Japan, create your own circles and create your own in-groups uh, of Japanese people, of foreigners, and then you'll start to see that dynamic and maybe start to see the world in a different way in Japan. So, and then there's, there's one other thing, and, and that's, you know, often people, and I've read this in newspaper, they often think of uh, stereotypes or prejudice on the train and the empty seat phenomenon, right? So there'll be an empty seat on the train, you sit down as a foreigner, and then there's an empty seat next to you and no one takes that seat. People are standing in front of you. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. standing in front of you. And I've lived here long enough to realize that this doesn't just happen to foreigners. This happens to Japanese people as well. And I've seen it happen multiple, countless times where there's one final seat and or there's a seat and nobody's going to take it. For some reason, there, there's there's kind of a a feeling like, okay, maybe someone else needs that seat. So they're not going to, no one's going to take that seat unless someone really needs it. And I, I've stood in front of an empty seat and other, far, and other Japanese people have stood in front of an empty seat and no one sat down. It's a very, it's not necessarily a specifically racist phenomenon Hmm. and i i think it has to do more more with cultural manners on the train sometimes they become very heightened and very placed in a micro micro position Uh, so those are just two other things i I wanted to kind of present uh where where it's like these nitpicky little things that you might feel are racist but or prejudicial but I, i just don't think they are they're just part of other types of cultural norms going on, cultural dynamics that exist. Mm, mm. But you mentioned that you were, uh, like when you're at the mm, supermarket or mm. in any encounter with a cashier, they'll look at your Japanese mm. wife or yeah. instead of you. Yes. So that comes into the in-group, in-group out-group. That feeds into that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think of that as an in-group, out-group dynamic. Mm, okay, it's not it. It's not necessarily that person. That person's working on such a, and it's a very incredibly subconscious level. Like you, I, I've even ex, and I've experienced when when I went to Hawaii with my wife uh, on a honeymoon. Uh, I had that experience in reverse. So I, my wife said something and then the person, staff person looked at me to talk, Mm, had mm. nothing, nothing to do with prejudice, doesn't have anything to do with um, having ill will towards that person. But there's also the dynamic that that person who sees me knows I know exactly how they think and every nuance Of expression, 
whereas the foreigner is yeah. not part of that in-group. So it's it, the communicate level of communication may be distorted. And the fastest way to get a message across would be me to find someone who is closest to my in-group so I can transmit that information as quickly as possible. You hit a, you've hit upon a, like a very like a salient point, and that is human beings are, unfortunately, for good and for ill, we're lazy. We're we're all mm-hmm. fucking lazy. Whatever makes it easier to to communicate with anyone, we want to we want to make that process as quick as possible. And we're also pattern recognition mm-hmm. machines. So if I find right. someone who, like, if you're Japanese and you find you know if, if the Japanese cashier, uh, someone at the cash uh, cash register sees you and a Japanese person next to you, they'll automatically to 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 lessen the burden. Of the potential mm-hmm. communication barriers, they'll just mm-hmm. look without without any ill will, like you said, without any negativity. Just look at your wife, right. because mm-hmm. it just streamlines right. the process. You don't have to struggle, and right, also right. you're not going to lose face by by having to have a fucking conversation in <laughs> in English right. because I can't speak English. I'm just a Japanese person making minimum right, wage. Right. I don't want to fucking talk to you. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Exactly. And you put a negative spin on it, lazy. I'll put a positive spin on it. I'll try the communication efficiency. So the efficiency of communication, right? So we're efficient. Yeah, no, I think it's it's just laziness. I think the brain does whatever it can to conserve energy. And I think over over countless numbers of generations, no, not countless, but through centuries upon you know being a human being, we've got tribal affiliations, Mm -hmm. we've got certain uh, cognitive biases. Everyone has 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 biases. We all we've all got biases. No matter who you are, some are more aware of their biases than others. But we've all got a Mm -hmm. bias. No matter if you're in if you're in academia. Or you know if you're if you're a physicist or biologist or whatever whatever you do for a living and no matter what country mm-hmm. you are and you might you'd love to think that you're rational purely rational but mm-hmm. no you fall victim and you you fall victim to the same biases that many of us fall mm-hmm. victim to and that's and that's right that's just part of life and I think we've got to separate that mm-hmm. from from living in in Japan is that it's it's uh, most people are not aware of their biases. And, you know, I used to get off on the idea, like, you know, another thing that ja- uh, uh, foreigners will often say is like, oh, I can't stand it when Japanese people tell me my, my Japanese is so good. And it'll be like, oh, Nihongo Jozu. It's like, I haven't said anything. And I think it's kind of fun to make fun of that kind of scenario. But at the same time, you know, it's just small talk and, yeah. and it's not really they're, they're not even think they're not thinking that you don't know any more than that or there's some sort of condescension uh or you know the idea of chopsticks oh wow you can use chopsticks how many times i've heard that over the lifetime that i lived in japan it's small talk and i don't think i think it's counterproductive to view it as prejudice or racist because you know you come from a culture especially if you're white you come from a culture that uses forks and knives so yes you use you use chopsticks properly 
And it's just a, it's just a way to talk, to start a conversation, to talk about something different. Uh, it, it's just weird, you know. We get, I think, foreigners often get hang-ups on things that don't need to be thought about mm. <laughs> that much. In, in a way, it's also being modest and understated. Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, you're following some practices that. I I wasn't sure was popular in your country or that was mm. so prevalent. The way you're using mm-hmm. chopsticks makes me seem, you know, makes me proud of the fact that, wow, Japan has, um, you've eaten sushi in your own country or you've eaten rice with chopsticks. Mm. I mean, sometimes it's, mm-hmm. it's sincere, uh, but other mm-hmm. times it's just being polite, like and also just small talk, right. like you said. But it's also just right. being polite. You wanted to, you know, no matter how authentic or inauthentic it is, you you want to make somebody feel good. You want to, you know, you're right, doing what right. you can. In Japan, they they love to make you feel like like very uh, mm. more more. What was what's the Japanese term that they use for the Olympics? More more te. Mm. Yeah. Omotenashi. 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 It's like very like mm-hmm. hospitable. You're our guests, mm-hmm, very welcoming, mm-hmm. and I think that perfectly mm-hmm. sums up Japan. They wanna, mm-hmm. they wanna treat you like a guest, which is why mm-hmm. it sometimes comes across like they're being racist. When in actuality, they wanna mm-hmm. make you feel comfortable. Right, right, and I think that, you know that the idea of the the guest culture is it, it can be grating at times because it can make you feel sometimes. If it just suddenly comes at you, that you, you can make you feel like I put in all this work and I, I'm still considered a guest. Yeah. And you, you, you can feel it can make it feel very it's rather down spiriting. It doesn't make you feel very good uh, because you want to feel like, oh, I, you know, I've lived here this amount of years and therefore, you know, I, I. I know this, this, and this, and I don't need to be treated in this way. And so sometimes it can feel demoralizing when you are treated in a guest way or something is explained to you uh, as if you were a guest. And yeah, those those times happen. And I, I think it's just something you just have to get over. You know, it's not like I, I live some sort of perfect way. In Japan, and you know, I'll feel bad sometimes when I hear certain things uh, said to me, and uh, I just have to, you know, recognize it as not necessarily, you know, something that was said with ill intent. Um, and to, I think at certain times in my stay in Japan, I felt like I was trying to undermine those statements by being flip in return and i I don't think that's very nice (laughs) so i don't do that you know um so you know everyone handles those kinds of experiences differently but i think we just have to have an awareness of of where we are and what the intention of people's statements are as well yeah well i think uh it's a good good place to wrap up but before we wrap up, okay. I want to. Yep. Uh, you know, I walked through a few minefields during this episode. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to any yeah. white supremacists listening uh, or neo Nazis, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>